Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you. Good to be seen by all of you joining us virtually. I am feeling so much better. Thank you for praying for me and for my family. Um, uh, thankfully, I'm, I'm on the road to recovery, and then my family has been safe, so uh, certainly thankful for that. Yeah, praise God. Um, and, and thank you so much. I, I told him this, but uh, Tim Magnuson, I just want to say that out loud to, for coming last week, and Sharon, uh, he's a great communicator, great friend, and uh, he certainly stepped up in the last minute, so thank you for that. Um, also, yes, so Aaron Kangas, he's starting here today. He's up with the students, uh, with our uh, uh, middle school, high school students, and uh, I'm excited about what God's going to do uh, through him and in him uh, here as our next-gen pastor. He'll be connecting with kids and with students and with our young adults and young families. It's going to be a tremendous um, experience and can't wait to see what he's going to bring to our church family and to our community. If you haven't met him yet, he'll be out in the commons following the service. He and his wife have been a part of our church for almost three years, and so some of you already know who he is. Anyways, excited about that. Now, speaking of kids, I'm going to lay a guilt trip on. You guys ready? All right, here we go. So, uh, we have a card that we gave all you as you, got, as you came um, in here today. Um, our kids are obviously an important part of the life of our church. That goes without saying. And not only are they an important, critical aspect of our church, but I mean, they're the literally future of our church. And we have a privilege, an opportunity to pour into the lives of our kids. And they can and should experience the message of Jesus Christ, the good news that he provides, because he has given his life for you and for me. And I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior when I was eight years old, September 15th, 1985. It was at Berean Baptist Church in Burnsville, Minnesota. And I was watching The Prodigal. It was a movie, Billy Graham movie. And after that, I asked to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I paid, or prayed with uh, Pastor Wayne Rapley at the front of the, uh, of the, of the stage. And um, anyways, we have that opportunity. And so what I want you to do is I, I want you to prayerfully consider this. Uh, we're asking for individuals to consider being a part of our kids' programming on Sunday or Wednesday nights for a season. We're not asking you for a 10-year commitment. We're asking for you to, to fill in the gap because right now we're needing to get that engine going a little bit. Uh, you know, COVID has taken its hit on many churches. Did you know that, uh, and we need to be praying for our churches, especially this church as well, North Haven. Uh, churches right now nationwide are about 37% on average in-person capacity to what they were pre-pandemic. That's a big deal. And, and, and so I'm asking you to consider just stepping in, you know, for a few months or, you know, a fill-in. And if that's you, if you are uh, willing to at least put your name down and say, I'm interested, um, and uh, we'll reach out to you, we'll connect with you and, and, and see what, 
will work and maybe it won't work. Um, but fill that out and then drop that off in the box at the back of the sanctuary as you leave. Also, apologize, we didn't introduce the offering. Uh, the ushers did come by and uh, we, uh, were we took time to receive that. But I uh, also want to let you know that you can give virtually, uh, digitally through the app and through the website as well. Or you can, if you missed it, you can drop that off in the box at the back too. You may remember last December, we took an offering for Talking Bibles. Do you remember that? We took an offering for Talking Bibles, specifically these Talking Bibles in the Aroma language in Ethiopia, the Bibles in their spoken and written language that we actually put into your hands. We held those Bibles, we prayed over them, and then we sent them out to Ethiopia, to the Oromo people there. They were distributed, and all of these listening groups have started. I was supposed to go in April to go to Ethiopia to distribute those Bibles, and I was unable to because of COVID restrictions in that country. Uh, that's been changed, and now I am leaving on November 1st. November 1st, for 10 days, I'm going to be with Paul Lindbergh in Ethiopia. Um, it's a long flight, but I'm going to get there, and I'm actually going to see firsthand the effects of these Bibles in these communities. I'm going to be able to interact with these these, uh, these communities and these people groups that have been spending time for the first time with God's Word. I can't wait to do that. And I'm going to be sharing in real time a lot of these things with all of you. And then certainly when I come back, we'll be celebrating that. Last but not least, specifically next week, we're going to start looking at various missionaries and ministries that we support and get behind here at North Haven. We're going to learn about those individuals, about those organizations, and what they're doing to impact the kingdom, not just, not just uh, internationally, but also here in our community. Uh, so I'm excited about that as well, and uh, we're going to dive into that. So we've been going through this series, The Chosen. Now, if you haven't yet seen or heard of The Chosen, really simply, it's a, it, they have two seasons out right now. Each season is eight episodes, and it's about the life of Jesus. It's a fantastic series. Uh, it, it is a, um, uh, a, a combination of biblical and also fictional accounts of not only Jesus, but the people around Jesus' time. So like the disciples and Mary Magdalene and, and uh, Nicodemus, all these individuals that we've read about in Scripture come to life in this series. It's been a fantastic time. We're in the fourth episode of the first season, but we before we go forward, as we've done every Sunday, I want to read this disclaimer to you so that we start at the same point. The Chosen is based on the true stories of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. This Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles. Some locations and timelines have been combined or condensed. Backstories and some characters or dialogue have been added. However, all biblical and historical context and any artistic imagination are designed to support the truth and intention of the scriptures. Viewers are encouraged to read the Gospels. All right, so what are we trying to say there? What is the chosen trying to say there? Basically, it's this. 
We are talking about the, the series, we're talking about the episodes, but we are taking our cue from this, all right? In other words, some of the things that happen in this show, we are at, we're allowing them to, to springboard into greater truths that we find in God's Word. Now, if you've watched the series, which I hope that you've done, and maybe you've interacted with the study guide, which is, a, uh, which is available in physical copy at the information desk, or you can get an electronic version, you know that in the fourth episode, we come back to an individual that we haven't seen since episode two, and his name is Peter. Now, Peter, he had a name change. If, you, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that Peter's name used to be what? Simon, right? So he's being called Simon at this point, and Simon and his brother, Andrew. Simon and Andrew are fishermen. They're working class fishermen, right? I mean, that's, that's how they make their money, is they try to catch as much fish as they can. I mean, this is, this is actual. This is factual, right? Now, what this episode then does is it kind of reads between the lines a little bit. Now, we know that Peter uh, was, was approached by Jesus and, and was asked by Jesus to follow him, uh, but what this episode does is kind of flesh out. Maybe a little bit of what Peter was dealing with. And, and it points to a truth that we're going to get into here in just a minute, but, but let's, let's just recap a little bit of the episode. So Peter has find, found himself in uh, a lot of trouble, a lot of financial and relational trouble. He, he's in trouble not only with his family, with his wife and his uh, brothers-in-law, and by the way, we can assume that Peter was married because in the Bible it talks about who? His mother-in-law. One plus one equals two, right? So Peter is having issues with his wife. Uh, he's having issues with his brothers-in-law. His mother-in-law is sick. And then he also has issues with fellow Jews and with the Roman government. All of these issues are compounding to the point now where he is desperate He's desperate, and he's been trying to figure out how to make ends meet and how to save himself and his situation all by himself. And he knows that there's an impending imprisonment as well. He's been desperately trying to make money because he's in great debt. And he, one of the biggest things that he's been doing is he's been fishing on Shabbat. Now, Shabbat is also the Sabbath, We've talked about the Sabbath and the importance of the Sabbath, but Jews especially revere Shabbat, the Sabbath. I mean, you don't work on the Sabbath. And, and, and here Simon is secretly working on the Sabbath to try to catch as much fish. And then to make matters worse, he is ratting out other Jews who are doing the same thing. He's ratting them out to the Roman officials. So all of this, as I mentioned, has compounded to this point where he is just exasperated and he's confessing for the first time to his wife, Eden. This is what happens. I can't do this anymore. Please, please listen to me. I haven't been honest with you. There's no woman. It's not gambling. Look, a few days ago, I looked you in the eyes and I told you, I've got this. I lied. What do you mean? I've been fishing on Shabbat. 
because I've had no choice. Andrew has text debts. I've got text debts. We haven't been able to keep up. I did some things I'm not proud of to fix it, and now it's gone bad. And we're in trouble. We? What do you mean? I, I'm in trouble. But we, because I need a miracle, or I can be in big trouble. I'm not a child. Stop speaking of riddles. Tell me what's happening. I could go to prison. We could lose the house. What? The cut in my ear, it's from a Roman. Simon! If I don't catch a ton of fish or get some help somehow, they'll arrest me. Or kill you. They are Romans. Yeah, so I need to go Go now. where? The fish, I gotta spend the rest of the week doing nothing but catch every fish I can and hope I can fix this somehow. So that's why we can't take your Ema. It's just not possible. No, right? she has nothing to do with this. I would not let you punish her for your sins. Eden, you can't do you this alone. can't tell me what I can or can't do. You have had your eyes closed around here, and God is with me, even if you aren't. Sorry. Where is your faith? Hmm? What? You heard me. And faith isn't gonna get me more fish. I'm not talking about tonight. I am talking about long before tonight. You've been different. Before it was gambling, and now it's working, and trying to do everything yourself. So popular Simon, fixing everything and charming everyone all by yourself. And fishing on holy days without even thinking about it, with no respect for our God. What about Pikoch Nefesh? We can break a commandment to save a life. Our lives are at stake you don't here. You know that because you have not pursued the Lord lately. Not like the man that I married. That is why you are stuck and you feel desperate and now you're off to try to fix it yourself again. There's a lot of things that happen in this episode. And the most recent viewing of this episode for me uh, hit me uh, quite profoundly, personally, and specifically this scene. You're not going to see this scene in, in, in Scripture, but there is a truth that is conveyed here that um, it was like a shot in the heart for me. Look at what Eden says to Peter again. It says, you're stuck, and you're desperate, and you're trying to fix it by yourself again. I wonder, can any of you relate to that? Do you see yourself in Peter? I do. I have to confess I have to confess that there are many, many times and uh, most recently where that is true of me, where I'm stuck and I'm desperate and I'm trying to fix it all by myself. That is always our sinful tendency, and if it's left unchecked, it just becomes our natural inclination. And for me, that's been true lately. I tell you that in complete 
transparency and vulnerability. Pastors can be in that place. Myself, as well as many of you, we can get to a point where this becomes more of a textbook than the living Word of God. Where we become so transfixed on our issues, on our struggles, on our concerns, on our wants and hopes and dreams, that we take matters into our own hands. And sometimes, sometimes we need people or somebody in our life to tell us, you haven't pursued the Lord lately. I wonder, how would you feel if someone looked you in the eye today and said that? You haven't pursued the Lord lately. That's why That's why you feel stuck. That's why you feel desperate. That's why you're trying to fix things on your own. But what does it mean to pursue the Lord? You know, we could say that till we're blue in the face. I mean, it sounds nice. It sounds poetic. It sounds spiritual. It sounds like the Sunday school thing to say, right? Pursue the Lord. But what does that mean? If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. John chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. Translations are different, but I want to read this to you. It says, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches, and those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Abide in me. On the screen there, it says abide in me, and maybe in your version, in my version, it says remain in me, but it's the same phrase. That phrase in Greek, the original language in which this was written, is the word meno. And when we think about that phrase, abide in me, remain in me, you know what we tend to think about? We tend to think about that as a destination, as a place to be. Abide in me. We think of of resting in Jesus' arms or being under, under the shadow of his wing. Is that fair? We tend to kind of have that mindset, that picture, that image. But abide in me, remain in me, is a verb. The Greek word is a verb. It's an action. It is not something we are. It isn't a place to be. It isn't a destination. It is something we do. We do. Abide in me, remain in me, is the same as pursuing the Lord. 
doing the act instead of just being. There's this beautiful moment in the episode later on. Peter, in his desperation, trying to fix it on his own, like his wife said, he goes out in the middle of the night trying desperately to catch as much fish as possible, constantly coming up short, knowing that he's got to catch fish, he's got to find some money, because the next day he's certainly going to be in prison because he has nothing. He's exhausted all resources. He has no other plans. And he's just pissed off the whole night because he can't catch anything. And he's arguing with God. Faith, what in the world is that? What have you done for me, God? Nothing. I got nothing. Later on in the middle of the night, his brother Andrew joins him, and then uh, two other fishermen, maybe you've heard of, James and John, as along, with their, along with their father Zebedee, they join him, and they're trying to all together help him, only to fall short, nothing to show for their efforts. And the next morning comes, and Peter has basically resigned himself with the idea that he's going to be now imprisoned. Maybe, maybe he'll get to say goodbye to his wife before he does. And then their boat comes up on shore, and Jesus is teaching to a crowd of people. And as he's teaching to a crowd of people, he turns, and he looks at Peter and Andrew. This is, this is in the Scriptures. He says, throw your nets. Throw your nets into the water for a catch. And they do, and this is what happens. I told you. I told you. I told you. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long. We believe, but my faith, how sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. There's a profound biblical truth that is happening here. 
when we are trying so desperately to fix things on our own, and we find ourselves in that desperation, right? We can easily imagine ourselves on our knees as Peter was in that moment with our head downcast. And we've exhausted all resources. We've, we've tried to sort through and to come up with all solutions and to, and to see an end to our problems and take matters into our own hands only to fall short and to have absolutely nothing to show for it. And in that moment that Peter is, is realizing that about himself and he's, and he's now re- seeing that he's, that he's kneeling before God, the Messiah, Jesus, his face is downcast. It's turned downward. He is contrite and repentant. He is filled with shame. And as Jesus stands before him, we see this beautiful biblical representation of who Jesus is. Jesus did not, he said, come to condemn the world. He came to save it. And in this scene, Jesus does not look down on Peter with condemnation, with a wagging finger saying, I caught you. but he looks upon Peter with compassion. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Lift your eyes, fisherman. And when he lifts his eyes, we see this other beautiful biblical representation of Jesus and how Jesus comes down to Peter's level and fixes his gaze on Peter as Peter fixes his eyes on him. And Jesus' only request is, follow me. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, we see these verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What does it say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. This phrase, fixing our eyes, is an important one because it is also a verb But what it means is not only to look towards something, but simultaneously not looking towards other things. It's the act of looking and fixing our eyes on Jesus and simultaneously deciding not to fix our eyes on anything else. Because we cannot look in two directions at once. But we try to do that, don't we? The author of Hebrews says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Jesus is the target. 
Jesus is the target. But it's not just who he was, it's what he did. And what did he do? We see that simply in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7, where it says this, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. He humbled himself. Quite simply, To abide in Jesus, to remain in Him, it means to spend time with Him and then to be just like Him. It means to, to approach Jesus just as, just as Peter did, to, to come before Him on our knees repentant and contrite, confessing our inadequacies, confessing our failings, confessing that we've had our eyes fixed on other things and not on Him. And when we do, we will hear that voice, lift your head, fisherman. And when we lift our head, we will see the Savior not full of condemnation, but full of mercy. Mercy that is new every day, the scriptures say. The mercy that meets us where we're at. And Jesus' only request, follow me. Abide in me. Remain in me. Spend time with me. Read the word. Listen to me. Talk to me. And then be just like me. Serve others. Humble yourself. Don't see yourself as a savior to your community. See yourself as part of the community and allow the savior, Jesus, to be the one who uses you and speaks through you to change people's lives. Abide in Jesus. Spend time with him and be just like him. That's what... He asks of us. We pray over us here today. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for this beautiful weather that we can celebrate and the sunshine and the life that that gives. We're so thankful for that. But as this as a song was proclaiming and as your, as your word lays out, Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for each of us, Lord, that you, would, that you would break us. And I know that has negative connotations to us in the world, but to you, you know exactly what that is. 
I pray that you would soften my heart, that you would soften our hearts. Lord, that you would, that you would give us a burden for the lost. That you would give us a, a burden for those, Lord, in our families, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, Lord, in our workplaces, in our schools who not only desperately need the message of your son, Jesus Christ, but also need people to walk with them, to love with them, to support them, to encourage them. Lord, give us a heart and, a, and compassion for the lost and for those who are in need. Help us, Lord, to be just like you as we spend time with you, abiding in you, remaining on you. Be with us today and in every way pray in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Hope you have a wonderful day. Enjoy the weather. God bless.